What's up, everybody? It's your boy, The King J. The King XJ on Instagram and The King J500 on other socials. And I'm here with you with another Blow Trap Podcast. This is episode four. And we finna get into some real shit tonight. I'm finna give y'all my real and honest opinions of stuff that's going on right now in the industry. And just going on in America, period. Now, first thing is first. Probably the biggest news that we got over this week. R. Kelly, a.k.a. R. Pissy, is going to jail. <laughs> R. Pissy, R. Pissy, R. Pissy. He done got locked up, y'all. Now, let me tell y'all. Now, R. Pissy is facing up to a 100 in 40 years now they might as well say life because ain't no nigga make it to 140 years but our pissy is getting 140 years with no parole that nigga is finna be locked up man somebody on instagram said <laughs> this is funny as fuck somebody on instagram was like it's the remix to ignition hot and fresh in the prison because <laughs> that nigga is locked up y'all now he done got locked up on a six or more counts of racketeering and basically having a human trafficking organization that profited himself. <laughs> you feel me? So you know he's not locked up and his lawyer, you know, they talking about they most definitely trying to appeal his sentence as soon as you know the judge gives it to him um the lawyer for one might as well throw that appeal out the window <laughs> the the lawyer might as well just get that appeal up y'all but i just i feel like it's a good thing that that nigga locked up i'm most definitely not on that nigga side that nigga need help he needed to be put in jail or he was gonna keep doing what the fuck he was out here doing that's the whole reason first off this nigga went to trial before he really should have got locked up that first time. But, you know, he didn't. And he kept doing what the fuck he was doing. And it actually got worse over the years. You feel me? Because he had more enablers. Now, a lot of people were saying, like, his enablers, like his managers, his assistants, the parents, all of them people need to be put away, too. Now, with that, I totally 100% agree. I feel like they should treat this shit like it's a motherfucking mafia racketeering case. You know, in the mafia racketeering cases, they go for the boss, they go for the head, they they lock that nigga up. But once they get you on racketeering, they get you, they try to get other people that was in the organization with you. You feel me? So in the mafia, when one of them go to jail, like especially the big, they try to take out the people that they knew was helping him, working with him, that was in the mafia you know doing things on the side the underbosses the the regular associates you know you feel me they go for everybody and i feel like they should treat this the exact same way they need to go for everybody they need to go for that nigga assistance because it ain't no way in hell you go try to tell me some of them assistants didn't know he need to go for them niggas managers because you mean you can't tell me that the managers did not know they need to go for Aaliyah's parents not just Aaliyah's parents, but all of those poor girls' parents who basically gave their daughter 
off for some money. For some money, hoping that they were going to get some money, hoping that their kid was going to be rich and famous, quote unquote. They basically sold their daughter or their kids off to the highest bidder. And that was R. Kelly. They need to go too. Because the one thing, because you can't convince me, some of these parents, you can't convince me that they didn't know what the fuck was going on. Come on now. Aaliyah uncle and all of them. But I do want to say this. Now that R. Kelly is in jail and then them girls got their justice, baby girl Aaliyah can rest, can really rest in peace. She can finally rest. You feel me? But now, for real, for real, now that R. Kelly in jail, I'm going to try to start doing this too. I don't want to hear Aaliyah's name and R. Kelly in the same fucking sentence no more. That nigga is locked up. You feel me? He, baby girl got her justice. Let's just worry about baby girl music, okay? Now, baby girl ain't releasing nothing new, sadly, because you know. <laughs> but we can just enjoy the music that she has had left for us. And just forget about that nigga R. Kells. That nigga R. Pissy. Because Aaliyah's legacy can stand on her on its own without having to mention that nigga. So I really want to try and I really want to put a challenge out and try it for everybody just to stop mentioning them niggas in the two sentences. In the same sentence. Fuck that nigga R. Pissy. <laughs> that nigga go to jail. He go to jail. What was that TikTok? He going to jail. Hell yeah, he is locked up. So, it makes the streets a little safer for these women in Chicago. But no, for real, it's a real good thing that 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 he in there, shit. And hopefully he get the help that he need. I don't think they. I'm not sure if prisons got therapists and shit, but uh, he rich, so he might get some shit. I take that back. Y'all seen that nigga? Fucking net worth. My ass talking about he rich. I lied like a motherfucker. Y'all see that nigga net worth? His net worth is now negative two million dollars. How do you owe the IRS damn near one point four million dollars? He don't got no money to his name now. I wonder how the fuck he's still paying for that lawyer, bro. Because <laughs> you could pick up a penny, nigga. Some of these homeless people is richer than our pissy at this point. That nigga got no money. That nigga for to be a general pop <laughs> with the rest of the niggas. And I, he better hold that motherfucking soap real, real, real tight. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, them niggas go eat his ass alive. Literally. Hell <laughs> no. Literally, bro. But that's all I wanted to talk about, R. Kelly. I really just wanted to bring that up. Because that man, it, it's been years in the making. You feel me? They finally got that nigga to be where the fuck he need to be at. But that's all I want to talk about for R. Kell, R. Pissy, with his own nasty ass. <laughs> now, one of the women who kind of stood by R. Kelly during all of this, uh, Azariel Cleary, she was on a talk show with Gail King. Now, you know, last time she was on a talk show with Gail King, she kind of she kind of went at Gail King a little bit because she was, you know, defending our pissy. Now, she is back on Gail's 
a little interview show that she does on the news. And now she's saying that she wasn't really honest with Gail the last time she was on the show. She's basically backtracking now. You know, she we know she wasn't really fucking with our pissy towards the end. But now she's really kind of backpedaling and explaining her side of uh, everything. She's also one of the uh, victims, per se. And I'm going to play this clip for y'all, what she had to, this little clip for y'all, what she had to say on Gail's King's little interview. And I'll be back with the rest of what I got to say. Uh, you said I was not honest in the interview that you did with us. Yeah. What, what were you not honest about? Everything. 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 Yes. You, you know, before that interview, um, you know, he had us practicing every single day practicing what answering questions and if he didn't like our answer he would tell us exactly what to say and how to say it so anytime you mention wow, anything yeah i'm just i'm stunned by this yeah so, so anytime you mention go. anytime you mention anything about sexual preference we already know to say i'm not here to talk about that because that's what he told us to say every single time. That's exactly time. what you said. First Between of all, I'm not you? here to talk about my personal life. Okay. And I would never share with no one what I do in or outside of the bedroom. So when the interview was over and you all go back to his apartment, the three of you, what is the conversation? He was so happy. Uh, you said I was... Now, Gail King was like, I'm so stunned. I'm stunned that he had y'all practice. Oh, shit, I don't know why. <laughs> I, everybody was already saying, bro. Everybody was already saying that our pissy had them girls practice what to say when they came on the sh when they came on that show. You thought our pissy was gonna let them go on there and say what the fuck they really had to say? No. Of course he was coaching them. Of course he was telling them what to say, what not to say. Like she said, they was practicing for days, practicing for days. For certain questions that might be asked, like 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 how a lawyer, how a lawyer fucking prepares you to sit on the stand and tell you like they don't really tell you what to say, but they tell you how to answer your questions to get the best result. Basically, what the fuck he was doing. I'm not surprised at all. I've been knew he was doing that shit. No girls, you really expected no girls to sit up there, sit next to that nigga and tell the truth. Come on now. But as y'all heard, you know, she wasn't really honest on the show when she was out there. Obviously, it was more stuff that was going on than Killer wanted to let off. Our pissy. <laughs> our piss. Our pissy. He, I, I bet he felt like a fucking mastermind. And, that nigga, and that's why he in jail. Like he's a fucking mastermind. Like he a mastermind of organization. Because that's, that's probably exactly how the fuck he felt. He felt he was a fucking player. A fucking mastermind. And you see where that shit led him. But that's all I got to talk about with our pissy. I want to move on to the next subject. I just spent, spent 12 minutes talking about this nigga. I ain't really want to talk about our pissy too long. Cause he in jail now. Can we just erase this nigga out our memory? The, the music, <laughs> the music is forever gonna stay. You feel me? Oh, another thing. Hold on. Before I even move on, bro. I remember a lot of people was talking about. It was on Twitter. They was like, the Boom Docs, cause they was showing like people was outside the courthouse playing R. Kelly music. 
stepping in the name of love and shit. We ain't gonna give up on you, Kel. We ain't gonna give up on you. And <laughs> a lot of people was like, oh, the Boondocks pre- uh, predicted this. The Boondocks predicted this. Now, what a lot of people don't know, the Boondocks was just really... The Boondocks was made... A lot of the episodes was made off a of satire of current events. You feel me? They was making fun of things that was happening during that time that the Boondocks was airing. And for those who don't know, which I feel like... I mean, you never know. Some people might not know. You know, Kells had that little trial back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that's what they was making fun of. And people was actually doing that exact same thing during that time of that trial. People was outside, you know, protesting, had their little signs and shit. R. Kelly ain't do it. R. Kelly ain't piss on that girl. <laughs> Y'all see why I call him R. Pissy. That nigga pissed on her. He, he ain't pissed on that girl. Da-da-da-da-da. They was playing his music. Stepping in the name of love. Step, step, round and round. All that shit. So it wasn't really history. It wasn't really them predicting history. It's more so history repeating itself. Now me, I'm a big, I'm I'm a big history person. I used to love history. I grew up watching fucking History Channel documentaries. Like I used to just sit there and watch that shit. I like history. History is my favorite subject out of every fucking school subject there is. It's history. And what you learn. A lot when you learn about history is history repeats itself very often. When you look at a lot of the shit that happened, not even shit in the 90s, not even just in the 90s, like in the 1900s in, zen- in general, the 1800s, any past time, I bet you you could find something where you'd be like, damn, this sound like exactly what just happened not too long ago. History don't do nothing but repeat itself. History literally just comes over, 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 over again. So that wasn't really them predicting. It was just them stating what the fuck was going on when he was at trial the first time. And it's just history repeating itself. Some people, like them women, them people, not even them women, them people in general. Because there was some men out there too who were like advocating for kills and out there with their signs and shit. They just brainwashed <laughs> They just brainwashed. Very, it gives me very pick me vibes. They, they probably wish they was one of them uh, ladies that was in the fucking basement at this point. Like, I don't understand how y'all can, how people could just ignore that. Yeah, his music is good. Like I said before, he will forever be a musical genius. A lot, they said that shit in his little documentary. Uh, Survivor R. Kelly uh, They had his like music professor And all that stuff up there On on the show And they was talking about how they knew Like Kills R. Pissy was really good with music He he just had a way with music And he could just see music that Other people couldn't see He can just do things other people couldn't do But That shit music don't give you a pass Music and money don't give you a pass to just be out here acting how you want to do. Do whatever the fuck you want. But, like I said, shit, now I'm at 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm really done talking about this nigga. I'm going to move on to the next subject. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, it's kind of, it's on the lighter side. You feel me? I want to talk about BMF, the new show that just dropped on Stars, Black Mafia Family, basically produced um, by 50 Cent 
Somebody on Facebook was like, man, this nigga 50 Cent is making a Marvel Universe with drug dealers. <laughs> and shit, as he the fuck should. Now, I'm from Michigan. I'm from Pontiac, Michigan. Uh, for those who don't know, Pontiac, Michigan is not that far from Detroit. It's like a 30-minute drive, but in real life, it's really... 10 15 minutes if you if you got the right drive for me i get i could get to detroit in 10 minutes tops it don't take me no damn 30 minutes to get to that city 10 minutes i'm there you feel me but detroit not that far from pontiac and i feel like it is very very great that detroit has a show that's being showed that's kind of showcasing the city yeah it's about drug dealers and all that stuff but it's actually about history in the city that black mafia stuff it, it's not fake it's really it's inspired by a true story the black mafia big meat and um what's his name terry i forgot uh, yeah terry i think his name is they were real people they actually ran the streets of detroit and for those who don't know they was actually kind of big especially around the late 90s early 2000s when they started getting involved with um a lot of rappers they they had a i think they had a record label which they kind of used as a front to launder money but <laughs> they had a record label and they was really in tune with a lot of these big rappers like people like fab G, um not yeah jeezy gucci like they was really in tune with a lot of these rappers and i like i said i like history and i love uh history Especially about like drug dealers and stuff like that. To me, it's always interesting. And th what they was doing, they was really out here. You feel me? They was. That's why a lot of people say Detroit is the plug. Detroit is the connect. Cause with um, the Black Mafia family, they was moving shit from Detroit to Kentucky to Tennessee to Atlanta. They was they was making bank. They was making money, and I really. I just really love how they showcase my favorite scene so far in the Black Mafia uh, in first episode. It was the opening scene because I really feel like it really captured the essence of Detroit during that time period. They had the you know the niggas wearing they, the jumpsuits, the big the big coats because you know it'd be cold in the D. <laughs> uh, they had the big ass fur coats, the leather coats. You feel me? They had the house music playing. A lot of people don't know. The house music was very big in the Midwest during the 80s and uh, early 90s. Uh, songs like uh, Let Me Bang, the original, not the thing by Sada, even though, but the thing by Sada, he sampled the original beat. Let Me Bang is my, probably my favorite house music, uh, house music song. So when Sada did that shit, I was like, okay, Sada, I see you. But the house music, the jet and all that. Like I was like, okay, they really not they not just showcasing the drugs and the violence of the city. They kinda actually showing the essence of the city. That's the one thing I really wanted from a show that was set in Detroit. Not to just show the crime of the city. Yeah, we all know Detroit is a big spot for crime. We always top three in the highest crime rate in America. I, I swear since I've been able to look shit up, I have not never seen Detroit in the top three or top five of the most dangerous. We always top three. They always either top three or they're number one. 
You feel me? But I ain't want a show just to showcase the crime of Detroit. I really wanted it to showcase the essence of Detroit. Kind of like how the shy do. The shy showcases the crime and the violence and all the stuff that goes on in Chicago. But it also very heavily shows the essence of Chicago. When you watch the when I watch the shot shit, I feel like I'm in Chicago right then and there watching it cuz it really gives you that feeling, it really gives you that essence of being in that city. And that's what I really love about how they started off the Black Mafia family. It really gives you the essence of being in Detroit. And I feel like a lot of stuff should be set more in Detroit. They always go to these large cities. They always go to the main large cities, New York, Atlanta, somewhere in Florida, Miami or Jacksonville, LA. They go to the same few, Chicago, they go to the same few cities. And it's like, I always wonder, like, how the fuck y'all never did a crime show or something along them lines in Detroit when Detroit is literally damn near always number one for the most dangerous? And we, re- and that's why I really feel like GTA. For the next city, they really should do Detroit. Because Detroit, a lot of people, <laughs> the Midwest in general is really looked over. They really just look at the East Coast, the South, and the West. The Midwest is like, they kind of just look over us. Where the Midwest actually got a lot of shit. I feel like GTA in Detroit would be dope. Being able, first off, Canada, right, right across the fucking uh, river, right across the, you only got to take a bridge. You could literally see Canada from standing at the Riverwalk in Detroit. So imagine a game set in Detroit, like GTA. You know how big that map could be if they take, if they put Woodward in there and they take Woodward all the way down. They could have the character go to Woodward all the way down to Pontiac. That's where Woodward in, and take you through all the suburbs. Boom! There you go. You got the little suburbs part. Then you got the hood of Detroit and Pontiac, cause. Like I said, we'll end in Pontiac. You feel me? And then you could also cross the bridge and go to Canada. I feel like that map on GTA would be huge. They should really... GTA Rockstar, if y'all listening to this, y'all really need to take Detroit into consideration. Because first of all, Detroit is already a big city. And then if you add cities outside of Detroit plus Canada, because Canada is literally right there from Detroit to Canada. It's probably like 10 minutes I feel like that would be dope, but I love the fact that they finally got a show set in Detroit showing the essence of Detroit with people from Detroit in it. They got Cash Doll in that bad boy. Little Meech, Big Meech's son is playing Big Meech. (laughs) So I feel like it's really, really dope. And it's very good to see Cash Doll. Cash Doll been out here doing her thing. Speaking of Cash Doll, this is how I'm segue to my next little topic speaking of cash though my baby cash is pregnant and it ain't me <laughs> and it ain't me uh, man detroit i mean cash she fucked the city up with that one on some real shit when i say she had niggas crying smoking black smoking cigarettes <laughs> niggas was hurt that cash down there got pregnant and it wasn't by them <laughs> bro Yada Cash Now, but Cash Now really been out here doing her thing. Cash Now is very underrated right now. I gotta slide this in while I'm talking about her. I feel like Cash Now right now is one of the best female storytellers right now. For sure. 
And if y'all don't believe me, I got some songs for y'all to go listen to. Go listen to R.I.P. by her. Where she talks about her relationship with Dex Osama and how it was leading up to her, leading up to his death. She literally said the whole story in a song. Damn near made me cry. <laughs> go watch and listen to Hustler by her. Go listen to For Everybody by her. She is one of the best storytellers right now. She is very underrated. I feel like Cast Out need to be up there a little bit more. Like when it comes to recognition, when it comes to uh, female rap. Because she is very good. And she's been doing it for a long, long time. I've been listening to Cast Out probably since 7th grade, 6th grade of middle, middle school. Talk about Run Me My Money. <laughs> And I ain't what's that one song? I don't give a fuck about none of these haters. Yes, that's my shit. Cast I've been listening to Cast Out and I've been following her for a while. And i it's very good to like see her grow. Like to see her her come up. Cause I've been following her since the first song since that two on remix. That's really the first song I heard by her. They was playing that two on remix by her like it was the official remix you know how rappers do they like little you know remixes and covers and stuff they was playing that two on remix by her like Tanache call cash dial up it was like hey cash dial hop on this song with me type shit like that's how much they was playing that shit in Detroit I'm not sure if they was playing anywhere but in Michigan they was playing that shit I could I was hearing every time you heard two on you must definitely heard cash dial voice uh verse follow that shit I'm not playing cause that shit was really hot in the city uh during that time that's the first time i ever heard of cash and it's just good to see her doing her thing i she been wanting to do some acting for a while i remember she popped up on like star for a little bit i think she been wanting to act for a while so i or was it empire it was empire she popped up on and um i just love to see her doing her thing and achieving her goals like i know she always said she wanted to get pregnant too so i'm proud of her all around all around i love me some cast style but i'm gonna move on to the next subject so recently miguel and his wife have broken up or i'm not sure if it was his wife i think it was because after 17 years she better have been that nigga wife but <laughs> miguel and his wife have broken up after 17 years now we really don't know the circumstances of them breaking up but 17 years of marriage that's a long time and i hope that they both you know grieve well do good you know um but i know for sure that this album this next album miguel go drop it's gonna be some pressure so between him and summer walker all right no <laughs> they next albums is gonna be some pressure summer water bullshit that she was dealing with london oh uh, yeah that's it for to be some fire and Miguel, 17 years. I know his heart is broken. That is funny. Give us some pressure. Now, I know it, it's not good to uh, wish heartbreak on people. But sometimes when... Shit, I be wanting artists to get their motherfucking heart broken. So it's like, that's, when the, that's when they be making their best music. Like, they really be coming out with the heat when they be in their feelings. You know, because some of the best music come out of pain pain and experience pain experience life stories i'm telling you the best music coming from that yeah these 20 
shit, 2021 almost over. So by 2021, 2022, we gonna have some good albums to listen to, especially Summer Walker because I love Over It. I love it. I listen to that. I can listen to that shit every day, no skips. You feel me? That's one of the best albums that was dropped. 2019, 2020, 2019, 2020. I don't know, but it was one of the best albums dropped dead ass. And I, to be honest, I'm not sure if it's on the charts. It's probably not on the charts no more. But she did her thing with that album, so I can't wait for her next album. I know she gonna eat these little rap girls alive. Not rap girls, R and B girls alive for real. But speaking of charts, speaking of charts, a lot of people was on. Normandy head. I don't know why a lot of people be on Normandy lately because not too long ago everybody was swearing up and down she was the next Beyonce and this, that, and the third. Now, you know how social media be. They be weird and they flip on you in a dime. And it's really crazy because it really be the black people, you know, that be switching up on you, which they really should be the ones supporting you most. But, anyways, a lot of people was on her head because she was posting, um, billboard charts of her of uh she posted billboard charts of her song wild side with cardi b and she was talking about how the song is still on the charts i think it's like number like 50 something on the charts right now but it was dropped a while ago like it was dropped over like 12 weeks ago so it was like for that song to be on the charts still it's a very it was probably a very huge um, achievement for her. You feel me? To show that you can have a stable hit, not just a song that you know hit the Billboard, stayed on there for like two days or a week, and then it fell off. You know, it was something stable, and you don't know that might have been actually something that she was achieving. A lot of people was like, "Why would she post that? It's only fifty-seven. Da 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 da. So what? <laughs> so what? She was probably trying." It was probably an achievement for her to have a song to sit on the billboard for that long. I know when Rihanna dropped Anti, it was a huge achievement for Rihanna that Anti was still on the charts. And some of her songs were still on the charts years after um, it dropped. So, I feel like that's a big accomplishment. That could be a very big accomplishment for her. And, not, and the thing is, it's crazy to me because... They was complaining about her doing that, but don't nobody complain when these artists be posting them iTunes charts. <laughs> iTunes charts ain't shit but streams on iTunes. But y'all don't say nothing about that. But she posts something on Billboard where it actually matters. Cause I, I don't understand why people be thinking iTunes. I think I, people began iTunes and Billboard mixed up. Just because they shit is number one on iTunes does not mean it's number one on Billboard shit, or even made it onto the Billboard. You feel me? So, for her to have something that was achieving good on iTunes and achieving good on the Billboard, that is fantastic. So why hate? Why hate? These niggas be posting their little number one on iTunes like they did fucking caught a platinum record but don't nobody say nothing about that now not to downplay uh itunes charts because for up-and-coming artists 
or people who's not really uh, well established being number one on iTunes, I can most definitely see that being a big deal. If I was a new up and coming artist and my shit made it number one on iTunes, I'd be happy as fuck. And I most definitely would post that shit because I'd be happy as hell. But for somebody who's established and stable, I feel like iTunes really shouldn't be something to brag about. Like Drake, Drake should be out here running around, oh shit, my shit number one on iTunes. You feel me? Because. Okay, how, but how is that shit doing on charts? But now with Drake, you know, he could be number one on iTunes and be number one on Billboard because it's Drake. He's an established artist. You feel me? So you're not going to see him running around. Oh, number one on iTunes, number one on iTunes. No, he running around talking about number one on Billboard because that's where the shit actually matters. <laughs> that's where the shit actually matters. But let me stop talking shit. I'm going to move on to the next subject. And I'm going to talk about something else. Now I want to bring up something else. I want to bring up. I want to talk about baby girl Aaliyah again. Now I talked about her a little bit earlier, but here I want to talk about something else. Like I said, I'm we not mentioning kills or pissy Aaliyah in the same subject no more. So I'm talking about something else. I want to talk about how Aaliyah. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I was thinking about making a YouTube video about it to really expand on it but i'm gonna just slide it into this podcast real quick i really want to talk about how Aaliyah kind of basically changed the r&b game for the new age for the 2000s onward now a lot of people probably like how was that jacob how was that the king j let me know well let me tell y'all now think i want y'all to think Think back 90s, think back 80s, and think about popular R&B artists of that time, and think about their singing, think about their vocal abilities, and think about how they were singing on the songs. In the 90s, what was very big was big voices, big voices, powerful notes. You ha- Not you had to have, but a lot of these artists had songs where they showcased how powerful their voice was, how strong their like just doing big notes and song. Big notes was a very big thing in the nineties. You had to have that part of the song where you was hitting that hard big note that made everybody want to scream out that note with you. So but when Aaliyah came along, Aaliyah came along kind of with her own vibe. She kind of came along with her she came around with her own style. When she was doing music, she was doing music of that era where big notes were still big. We still had Whitney Houston. We still had Tony Braxton. We still, we had, you know, boy, uh, boy groups, boys to men, Joe to see, you know, all of them. And they was really, you know, you, you know how they sing. Go listen to their music. Y'all know how they be hitting them notes in them songs. But Aaliyah, she kind of came with more of a chill vibe. She wasn't really focused on having them big notes in every single song she was more of a it was more of a vibe her and Timberland and Missy they made more of a vibe when it came to her music and to be honest you can really see how it changed the R&B because once people seen that her vibe how she was singing over the songs it was kind of more like a laid back like chill type shit something that you would smoke a blunt to and just be lost in the words she and think about the music now 
Ain't that how R&B music is now? Aaliyah was one of the first to do it. For people like Rihanna, uh, Janae, Summer, Brent, uh, they music, uh, Bryson Tiller, R&B really became more of a vibe. It became more of something where like the beat gets you and not only does the beat get you, but the the accuracy of the lyrics, the all that, and Aaliyah was really the found not the founder, but she was the blueprint for that. A lot of these little, a lot of these artists who do that, who are on that little vibe type of song, you most definitely can see where they influenced by Aaliyah. Aaliyah really changed a generation. When it came to how R&B music sounds. She made it a vibe. And that's why I feel like her legacy will forever be opposed. Nobody will ever forget who Aaliyah is. Because for real for real. She really introduced that vibe feeling of R&B. But I'm not going to talk about this too much. Because I really want to make a YouTube video. And really want to like kind of think about it more. I really want to like write out something and actually talk about how she influenced R&B in general not just the music with the style all of that because people still rock her style to this day but that's all I want I just wanted to bring that up real quick real fast just to give y'all a little snippet because I might make this make that into a YouTube video so if y'all love to hear this as a YouTube video about how Aaliyah basically changed the R&B game let me know Say it in the comments because I will most definitely upload a video because that's something I really want to talk about for a long time. I really feel like she changed that shit. Like the 2000s R&B became something totally different. Like, I mean, yeah, we still had them big notes because, you know, we had people like Keisha Cole and uh, Shanti and all of them. They were still doing big notes in their songs. But I'm telling you, once it came to the mid 2000s, later 2000s, even though. Aaliyah was passed by then. You could really see how she influenced R&B a lot. But I'm going to move on to the next subject after I do this math test. <laughs> I'll be back. So next up, I want to talk about my baby Rihanna. You know, I talk about her damn near almost what's the episode. But, you know, she's been doing a lot lately. And she did her third part of her Savage X Fenty show that she does every year. This is the third year that she has done it now. Uh, and I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit because I thought it was very dope. The performances she had was very dope. Uh, at first, the first one that she did was my favorite. I don't know why, but I really loved the first Savage X Fenty show. But this one, this third one right here, most definitely became my favorite. The performances, the dances, the music that they was using, Busta Rhymes, Missy. Uh, they had what Bia, Jasmine Sullivan, Chloe Bailey. They had a lot of Normandy. Normandy killed it. Chloe Bailey killed it. I love her little op opera vocals that she was doing in the beginning. Jasmine killed it. Bia made me a huge fan with the little performance she did on there. Like, I really feel like my baby did her thing with putting that together. 
you know, she be snatching all the little Victoria's Secret models and everybody else, Instagram influences, everybody be on her thing modeling for her. And I'm just proud of my baby. It's just very good to see her out here doing what she loves, fashion, and doing it so creatively. Like, she does her fit fashion. She's so super, super creative. Like, you never see nobody like her Savage X Fenty shows. And that's what I love about her. My baby is very unique. Very, very unique. Uh, but I think that's just how I'm going to wrap up the show tonight. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Give my baby Rihanna her props. Thank y'all for tuning in to the Trap Tea Podcast. Or the Blow Trap Podcast. And i catch y'all next week.